0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .net. I'm Sean Kleber, your host, and with me today is your Caleb Wells co-host. I'm it's there a little go. it's 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 a little off of me today. It's been a long <laughs>
1: week. So. It it is Friday afternoon, and right we, we work really hard at our jobs to pay the bills, and we do this for fun. And sometimes we're a little fried. So <laughs> I could be Caleb Wells co-host. I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> hey y'all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey y'all yeah it the sun is out but i've been inside so mm. it's crazy but that means that yard work is coming up so that i'm not too, uh,
1: already down here excited about we, yeah yeah yeah.
0: Yep. yeah all right so our guest today is matt elin welcome matt
2: thanks for having me glad to be here
0: Oh, glad to have
2: you Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there, too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com.
0: So uh, we first like to start out with kind of an introduction and and who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got into software development. Why don't you start there?
3: Sure. So, I'm an instructor at Tech Elevator uh, over in Columbus, Ohio, a boot camp throughout the northern, Northeastern United States, but uh, kind of have a growing remote community presence throughout the uni- United States as well. So, we teach software development in C, Sharp, Java, uh, JavaScript technologies, Vue.js, things like that. As far as my background prior to that, I've been doing that for about a year now. But before that, I've been working primarily with .NET technologies, JavaScript front-end technologies, a lot of Angular, a little bit of Vue, TypeScript, things like that. I've been working for mostly for like smaller startups, helping them build software as a service applications, grow to scale, get acquired, reacquired, things like that. I've had the privilege of working with .NET since it's been in uh, beta two and beyond. So I've been following C-sharp and uh, F-sharp and VB uh, for you know quite some time now. And uh, it's been fun riding that wave just throughout my career. As far as how I got into programming, my dad was an actuary, and so he had an early IBM PC in the house, and uh, I remember seeing some of those old Sierra adventure games uh, running on that thing, and it got me really interested in what a computer could do, and so I started tinkering with it and tinkering with GW and QBasic programs. Lotus
0: 1-2-3?
3: Uh, he had that. i didn't care about that as a kid uh, um, so I, I started tinkering with, with with these computer programs like nibbles and the like and just trying to see what i could do with the code and what what things i could do and uh my high school and uh, grade school and college years were all recreational programming and uh eventually i caught on that i could do this for fun or not just for fun but for pay and uh yeah that's that's kind of been my story of uh Know, learning programming and and learning that I love it. Uh, it's being uh, programming I
1: to teach. Well, I was gonna say I think Sean and I have similar stories, right? Mm-hmm. I've done the thing of where my dad got us a two eighty six. Well, before that, we had Texas Instruments, but an actual PC mm-hmm. in my teens. And I remember going through DOS and just listing out all the commands and just trying them to see what what they did, which <laughs> didn't always work out that well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so. With Tech Elevator, uh, would you consider yourself a boot camp for aspiring developers? Yeah,
3: we we are we are a, good, a boot camp. Okay, you know boot camps they have there's a, a wide variety of quality to uh, to to various boot camps, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. But I've been interested in this boot camp in particular since working with graduates about four years ago, and finding how much I mentored them, I enjoyed mentoring them, and. Uh, enjoyed their desire to learn and grow. And so I, I kind of kept tabs on the program for about four years prior to joining on as an instructor. Uh, so for me, it was a very deliberate decision of, I'm going to start investing more and more in, into speaking, writing, I mean, communication skills and things like that. Uh, just just uh, if I wanted to do this uh, in, during the back half of my career. And uh, I finally decided to pull the trigger last year and uh, I'm glad I did.
1: You know, we've, we've had discussions in multiple podcasts about I think we brought up boot camps and the value of a college education mm-hmm. and certifications and, and things of that nature Yep. I think for someone who's got the the ability or the aptitude for development I think mm-hmm. boot camps are definitely a viable option and yep. may work better for you because by the time you get out of four years of college the tech a lot of the tech that you've learned if it wasn't already obsolete <laughs> will will have become obsolete yeah. right
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that aptitude thing is, is, is really important because it's, it's not for everybody. And so I, I think a, a good boot camp is going to deny you know, more people than it accepts. And I think that's one of the things that, that we do really well is we are honest with people who are trying to come into the program because it's really hard. We, we load our students down with homework, especially early on. And we're really pushing them, not just to learn the concepts, but to be comfortable coding everything. Because there's so many different facets of learning a program. You have to understand what all these things are. You have to understand how, you know, what the tools are, what the errors mean. Like, oh my goodness, the kinds of compiler errors that you see in in C Sharp, like not all code paths return a value. It's like, well, what are you you talking about? There's no way that this doesn't return, but the compiler doesn't see it, right? And we're like focusing specifically on .NET. You know, we, we got 20 years of, of progress here. And you look at the incremental progress that Microsoft makes every six months, and it's insane. The amount of new features and releases and the like that are coming out, frameworks that come and go, and libraries that come, and it's a massive amount for anybody to keep up with, uh, let alone get into the field. So it's, it's a really challenging thing. But beyond just understanding and knowing these things, it's another set of muscles entirely to start building something from scratch, right? And so we, we try to help our students with all aspects of that. As well as you know the technical interviews, like that's hard.
1: You yeah, it seems like it seems
3: you.
0: like anymore, things are getting even faster. You know, the yeah. the, the time frame between C sharp seven, C sharp eight, now C sharp nine, mm-hmm. that's getting like rapid fast. Yeah. And I think you know, one common one common uh you know thing about a lot of developers is that liking to learn. And I think if anybody's out there looking to get into development and running software. If you don't like to learn, it's not that good yeah. of a uh, yeah. career choice no. for you because yeah.
1: it's going to always change, and you got to keep right. learning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. that's conversations I've had with my my brothers and friends of mine who are not developers, right? I I learn something new every week, mm-hmm. and and I may learn a framework or two every year. Or right as Sean said, C Sharp Eight had a ton of features and enhancements like the the nullable stuff. Yep right, Um, that you may not be using in your current development, but you definitely want to be aware of if the need arises, right?
3: And and even the tools we're used to are changing, like C Sharp's becoming more and more functional and functional programming oriented. And My my
0: boss writes books on C Sharp, and he's actually skipping C Sharp 9 because it's just so fast. So he wrote his his book, came out on C Sharp 8, and by by the time it actually got out, C Sharp Nine was was out there. Anybody wanted to learn that. So now
1: he's going to say, oh, "I'm just going to jump to C Sharp 10. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Writing a book is not an easy task. Oh no! Uh, Anything, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there right now. I'm trying to finish uh, a project of my own.
1: <laughs> so what's what's your book about?
3: So I am trying to put together a very beginner friendly guide to software scalability and architecture and things like that. So talking about horizontal scalability, vertical scalability, APIs, databases, microservices, you know, like not how do you do this, but what are these things and what roles do they play? Like I I found myself wanting like a really accessible thing that I can give to a newer developer and just help them understand a wide variety of things out there. And I, I couldn't find anything I liked. So that was sort of the gap that I'm trying to fill with this.
1: Cool. Hmm. So, you know, when it comes to to that development, you, you got me thinking of, of a question I'm interested in, your opinion. I know that the term full-stack developer gets thrown around a good bit. Uh-huh. There really are very few people who are truly full-stack. Do you suggest to your students that they focus on the front-end business logic, the, the database layer, that they, they pick one back-end, front-end, or, you know, that they actually specialize in an area or that they are more broad and can do a bit of everything I'm assuming with your boot camp you have to do a bit of everything to get through the boot camp um, mm-hmm. what, what's your opinion on that
3: well we we try to build uh, full stack developers developers who are familiar with every aspect of things not not mobile development mind you so you're, you're calling full stack somebody who's going to build build a mobile app as well uh, we don't do that but uh, unless you're building it in JavaScript, <laughs> but uh, we we are exposing everybody to kind of the the core of programming using C Sharp or Java, and then databases, relational databases in particular, SQL, JavaScript, and Vue.js, just to get give them exposure to all of these aspects of things. Our words for our students are, we want you to get a job. We want you to get a job in programming. We want you to enjoy your job and do well at it. We don't want to take options off the table for a student to pursue a job, you know. So we're not trying to make somebody specifically a back-end developer. They might gravitate towards that, and that's fine. But we're we're trying to give people the ability to pursue most jobs in the software in- industry for an entry level developer. And gotcha. in terms of generalization and specialization, you know, people ask us all the time. It's one of those things that, that the students are looking at. Like, well, what do I want to do? With it? You know, uh, it's going to change. Uh, just wait a few years and. What you do changes. You might be a specialist in something, and that that thing goes away. I, I used to be a Silverlight specialist. You know,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I uh, we've, it actually, we, but, we've all been there.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, especially in the Microsoft world. I love Microsoft, but they do kill things pretty quickly.
1: Um, I was a, I was a Flash specialist long time ago when I was actually a more of a designer. The mm-hmm. Front specializing front and stuff, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with and you.
0: I'm I'm still a web forms developer. So.
1: Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <I'm
0: laughs> Whether he wants to be right. or not? Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's get back a little bit to the the sure. compare bootstrap versus self taught versus college. So how long is a typical boot boot camp class? I think it's it said boot, 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 bootstrap, but that's just it's, it's, I'm kind of I'm kind of in that it's, mindset. It's Friday
3: afternoon, right? Yeah. So ours are 14 weeks. That's about average from what I've seen, but I'm 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 on the teaching side of things, right? I'm not in the market research side of things. I'm not looking at our competitors. I'm not looking at a lot of things. I'm I'm trying to get people to learn how to program, right? So for us it's 14 weeks and for what I've seen that's fairly typical, but I I can't make a, a blanket statement and say that it actually is. I do feel that it was better than my own education in many aspects i have a bachelor's of science in computer information systems but you have to be good at an accelerated learning pace if you're going to go through boot camp right not everybody can do an accelerated learning it's it's not for everybody it's not for everybody with everything going on in their lives right additionally there's a lot of benefits that college gives you beyond just the core technologies colleges are going to teach you you know writing mathematics uh, they're going to give you time to be an adult, right? There's a lot of value in that. So a lot of our students are actually people who have degrees in something and they want to change their their job. They want to change their uh, their futures really. And so we're we're giving people kind of a second chance at a career and something that they think that they're they might be a little bit more suited for. Um, yeah,
0: I went to college too and I get a lot of benefit out of the business classes that I took yep. and yep. economics and all that kind of stuff. Cause then I can quite often I can understand the customer that I'm working with better and what their interests are rather than just purely from a technical point of view.
1: Yep. And absolutely. see, I, I went to college, but it's the opposite of Sean. I did graphic design, right? And didn't have to worry about the business stuff and writing papers, right? It was just, you know, fun, playing around, moving pixels around, right? For sure. for three and a half years. And I actually got into development through basically a job opportunity and, and on-the-job training, mm. right? Right. And and of course, boot camp is it, like you said, it's like an, an accelerated version of that. And it's interesting. I've actually had a couple of people reach out to me on LinkedIn in the past six months that that they completed a boot camp and they were looking for you know an opportunity or to see if my employee uh, employer was uh, hiring. And you know, at this point, my employer needs very specific skill sets or high level developers mm-hmm. so we're not but but I kept up with them on LinkedIn and both of them have gotten hired in the last couple of months which is great so
0: so in 14 weeks can you you know can you take somebody that's never written a program at all and get them to a certain point or is it best that they have some sort of background of tinkering around and doing some code and and that kind of thing
3: uh, we absolutely can yeah uh, now, you're, you're probably going to succeed more or, or rise to a higher level if you have prior experience, but we, we take people who have, you know, we, we've, we've demonstrated that they have the aptitude for these concepts, and we take them through from start to finish, and we make them, you know, the best version of them that they can be by the end of that period. Now, if you come into the program, you already know a lot of the basics of programming for loops and variables and things like that. you can going cruise through the first few few weeks and then maybe have a hard time once you get to the newer concepts because you suddenly have to learn uh, and, and it can be almost like hitting a wall. But those folks with a little bit more experience, they they often have a little bit more time for side projects, uh, a little bit more time for recreational learning during boot camp. versus somebody who's you know, brand new to things and maybe it doesn't come that naturally to them. They can be doing, you know, 60 hour weeks at times. Like it, it can be pretty intense, but we, we, we tell our students to compare themselves to themselves. And there's often a lot of value that somebody with an, non-technical background can bring to an organization. You, know, you have somebody with some really amazing accomplishments in, in other fields, and you add some technical skills on top of that. They're now all of a sudden a really attractive developer analyst to somebody, uh, for example.
0: So why such, why such ahead, an accelerated Sean. pace? You know, 14 weeks, that's, that's really fast. And why, why not slow it down a little bit and give them a chance to absorb more and, you know, really not stress out so bad? You know, that's I a imagine you I... might have a number of dropouts because it's just too fast.
3: It's not as fast, it's not as many as you would think. It, it's actually somewhat rare in my experience. But I've actually not asked myself that question why, why this pace? One of the advantages of it is that they are really immersed in the materials. But yeah, that's a decent question. I've not, I, not <laughs> asked myself that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other option, I mean, there's, there's kind of an option in between. You know, you got yourself learning which is kind of your own pace. Mm-hmm. So boot camp, which is, you know, accelerated. Mm-hmm. And in between boot camp and like a four-year degree, you've got to have like two-year degrees. So community colleges and things yep. like that. So that's another option that I've, I've yeah. kind of pointed a lot of people for. So if you don't want to spend four or five years learning, you know, look at two years. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little more, uh, you know, accomplishable.
3: Yeah. And there's also the self-taught road, uh, route too. You know, a lot of my own experience came from self-taught. By the time I was in college, they were just teaching me stuff I already knew, and, and often mm. knew past the extent that they taught it, right. which felt a little bit like a waste of time and money. But at the time, boot camps weren't as they, they weren't as accepted as a as a right. venue for getting into into the the field, and that's been improving uh, quite drastically over the last ten years.
1: So we are know the application process for college, right, and whether you get accepted. What is your application process for uh, a boot camp, and how do you determine someone's aptitude for this?
3: So for us, again, I'm, I'm not a market expert, you know, I'm just right. a guy right. who teaches programming. For us, we have students take a, an aptitude test, which we're actually very proud of. We've done a lot of research into that to make sure it's non-biased in terms of, ethnicity, upbringing, backgrounds, et cetera. So it's a, it's a test about programming skills without being about programming, which is interesting. So we'll take it, have students take a mini aptitude test and see, hey, do you, does it look like you're going to have the aptitude? And then we'll have a conversation with them, have them take a, a longer form one, and then have behavioral interviews as well. For, for us, we have a lot of focus on both the behavioral aspect of things and professional skills and the technical side, because we want you to leave there and be able to get that job. And not having the technical aptitude or not having the professionalism needed to get that first job will you know, prevent that. So we, we kind of teach you both, technology and business skills, which is
1: kind of cool. Um, that's great. No, yeah, That's awesome. But
3: we also have a lot of pre-work coming, uh, coming into the program. And you know students are, are kind of, we're trying to equalize the footing that people come into on day one, right? Give you some basic exposure to HTML, CSS, JavaScript, things like that, Git, um, before we teach it. Because we'll teach it again but it's not your first exposure to it, right? And, and now, you, now you can ask questions intelligently and you're not as overwhelmed. You know, our, our goal is to help every student succeed and to take the students who are going to succeed.
0: So is it more common so, to have students that are fresh out of high school or students that are looking to
1: switch careers?
3: Most of our students are looking to switch careers. We very, very rarely take,
1: take students right out of high school. That makes sense, right? I mean, if you're coming out of high school, you still got some growing up to do for lack of a, a better term, right? And I can definitely see switching to this, you know, another career path is, is a is a viable option, especially for people in um, industries that are scaling down or the fewer fewer jobs, right? You're stretched and development is not going anywhere anytime soon. The, the language you're using might but um, development itself is is not, yeah. Um, so you said you've been you've been working for Tech Elevator for about a year, but you've you've done mentoring and, and training prior to that. Yeah. Um, how was your transition from from focusing on development to teaching development?
3: It was it was gradual. I mean, it had an interesting trigger, which we can get to if you want. <laughs> uh, but uh, once I just started, decided to start focusing on that, you know, it was gradual. It was like, hey, it's not even part of my formal responsibilities. I'm just going to talk to the newer developers. I'm going to help them through. I'm going to teach them the things that they want to teach. And then I thought, you know what? I really like this aspect of my job. I might even like this better than building new things. And so I, I sought out an opportunity to lead a team. And then I you know served as a manager, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. Honestly, I I didn't serve as a manager as long as I wanted to. Uh, an opportunity opened up the tech elevator, and that was sort of my my dream <laughs> uh, back half of my career. And I was afraid that if I waited, I wouldn't I wouldn't get another shot at it. So I I, I left that world sooner than I wanted to. Uh, speaking at conferences, user groups, etc., helps too. I think it's so awesome. Was that
0: trigger point.
1: Yeah, yeah so, go uh, ahead, please.
3: <laughs> so you asked what the trigger point was for 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 that. I was uh, oddly paralyzed for a while, uh, just kind of a freak neurological condition. And when I came back into the workforce, we had a bunch of newer developers and I got to you know, just really mentor them and invest in them and uh, really help them out and I loved it. So weird Gosh, few wow. months of my life, but it, it wound up changing my career Yeah, because we hired them in my absence, uh, partially because of
1: my absence.
0: Well, I'm glad you're okay now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting the the things that happen to you or the paths you take that get yeah. you where you need to be, yeah. right, or where you really want to be. I can't speak for Sean, but both of us have done, have led other developers and have done training in certain facets, and i found it to be one of the more enjoyable parts of of my job. Now, don't get me wrong; I still want to code. I realized uh, a long time ago that I don't really want to be a lead because you spend most of your time in meetings, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I do, I do. I really enjoy the mentoring part in being able to, to take a subject or a concept and boil it down to something that, that most people can, can grasp. Right. Yeah. So
3: it's really, I know Sean
1: really recently did. Yeah. Right. I know Sean recently did training on Angular, right? And you even did a whole video for your company, right? Right.
0: Right. So, you know, trying to bring some.NET developers up to, you know, at least some level of familiarity with, with Angular. So maybe they're a back end developer and they're writing, you know, web API stuff, but they they have Angular guys on their team that are calling into their stuff, you know, train them on on the front end so that at least they know, you know, what that person has to go through to to uh, build something and then call into their API.
1: So, with your bootcamp, what is the mix of concept or just straight learning versus actually development for That's your students?
3: So, for us, you know, the the mornings are new instruction. Right, uh, we're giving them new instruction. They're participating in class by coding along in their IDE, which is really great because it gives them opportunities to make mistakes and see, like, hey, I got a compiler error. What what, what does this mean? And in a remote setting, it's awesome because they can just share their screen and we can take a look at it. In a classroom, it's it's similar, but you, you know it's it's less teachable because other people you can't see other people's mistakes as easily. And then the afternoons are all um, like, here's a whole bunch of homework, <laughs> go do it. And then you know periodically we'll give them some mini capstone projects where they're building something larger from the from a a, a simple starting point with some clear requirements uh, that don't change. <laughs> That's important. And then the, the last two weeks of the program are just building a large application from scratch in an agile manner. We're actually doing that right now. And uh, that's my favorite part of the program because you see these people at the very end of the program, they're demoing these beautiful sites that are sometimes better than something I could build as far as like what they what they look like and their usability and the like. And it's like, I remember you 14 weeks ago, you didn't know what a compiler was. And it, it, it's, you know, yeah. And then they leave you, and you get the next class, and uh, yeah, you're sad. But yeah, uh, you, you know, you make you made a difference.
0: So you're not teaching in real life. Your requirements <laughs> don't change. What? Well, they they,
3: they, well, do. Hey, they, you, they do in the uh, in the final capsule. We, yeah. we, we try to give them a taste of product managers. Or
1: product oh, okay. Managers. I was I would say you got to <laughs> cut them some slack, right? They're doing 14 weeks <laughs> of accelerated learning. Don't don't throw them in deep in just yet. Yeah. <laughs> don't get there soon enough, <laughs> right? Their first job, they won't realize the requirements are going to change. You know, sometimes daily.
0: <laughs> so, um, so after fourteen weeks, what can somebody expect to be able to to build and and, and accomplish? And then, what kind of a job would they uh, fit into?
3: So our graduates are able to build an end-to-end application, uh, full stack. So they're able to use a ASP.NET Core. Or Spring Boot uh, server uh, running Java or C. Sharp, and that's able to talk to a database. We do teach relational databases, SQL Server, Postgres. They're, they're able to understand APIs and uh, you know, the various verbs involved with RESTful APIs, particularly. And they're able to, to, to write a JavaScript application that can communicate with that uh, using a front-end framework. But more importantly, they know how to how all the pieces fit together. They know how to learn a new programming language. Because a lot of our grads go off to do, you know, jobs that are not related to C Sharp or Java. And they find, okay, well, how do I do this in Python? How do I, you know, what does this look like in Ruby? Uh, and so they, they see that the concepts they have learned in their languages aren't that different in other languages.
2: And that's really cool. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it. The only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production so go figure it out right you run it on production but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are where it's slowing down where it's having bugs you just you need something like that there and Rain Gun is awesome at this they they just added the performance monitoring which is really slick and it works like a Breeze. I I just I love it. I love it. It's like it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's gonna save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it, grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Ray Gun, they are definitely gonna help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at adventuresin.net.com slash Raygun.
1: So why did Tech Elevator choose Java and .NET and View as the the languages or frameworks to teach your students was it because of the the number of people using them or number of jobs available what what was the where's the reasoning there apologies for the barking dog uh, my wife's oh you're good you're fine i have a five-year-old in the background somewhere screaming so
3: so we the the reason why we choose most of what we choose is usually driven by the market in our areas and we are constantly reevaluating our curriculum based on the needs of the people we, we interact with right so it's very market driven and that's actually one of the advantages that a boot camp has over a, you know a larger institution is that we can change our curriculum and evolve it more fluidly but they're not that all the that makes sense you know so you you yeah. have to do your research
0: so there's good there's good boot camps and there's bad boot camps out there you know how can somebody tell which one is is good and which one's bad
3: that is a softball question that I wish I had I love a softball answer. I play yeah. all, every summer so one of, one of the things you can look at is something like graduation rates. You can look at placement rates. You can look at the are they working as a developer? Are they or, or are they just working in a tech company? You can look at what percentage of students do they reject? you know You can look at, hey do they require all the money up front or you know do they, do they give you a, a, a way to pay halfway through uh, for, for the other half or something like that. I would just talk to grads as well. Not all not all boot camps have, you know, experienced experienced developers teaching uh, either. You know, sometimes it's it's graduates. So you, you got to be careful. But again, I'm not a market expert in this. I'm I'm just a guy who likes to code and to teach others.
0: <laughs> so a lot of people might be thinking, you know, how much does does a boot camp typically cost?
3: They they vary in, in cost uh, range. It's going to be anywhere from twelve thousand to twenty thousand, something like that. Would be uh, my guess. I, again
0: for not three right. to four months yeah right.
1: yeah. yeah that but there's you all. know there's i mean, all. i was gonna say that's that's not unreasonable considering mm. the 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 time investment they're gonna have to put in and what they're gonna get out on the other end right yeah it's definitely a lot cheaper than than college yeah. <laughs> it <laughs>
0: it do some up op- do some offer an option of like instead of paying upfront, you pay a percentage of wherever you get placed
3: yeah, so there are—I f- I forget the, the acronym. I think it's IRR or something like that, where you can get—you can basically defer payment until you get placed, uh, and then get a, a portion of your of your salary for the next two to five years or something like that. There's also scholarships, et cetera, available. Often uh, financial aid available through skills funds and Sally Mae and things like that. But yeah, our admissions coordinators know a lot more than I do on that.
1: <laughs> so if you're curious. Contact Tech Elevator and they'll they'll fill you in on all the details, right? Yeah,
3: techelevator.com, oh. our uh, assessment tests and everything. A lot more accurate information than what I'm going to put, put out to you because uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy who helps you
3: learn what a variable is. What's so, a variable? Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it depends on what language you're using.
3: <laughs> it, it does.
1: <laughs> Something, uh, another question popped into my head because I'm not familiar with boot camps. learn a lot of good stuff here. Right. Does the student get to choose the back end and the front end that they want to learn? Or is it based on the instructor? How does that work?
3: So for us, we offer two tracks, right? Uh, you're either picking Java or C-sharp and the student's in control of that. Sometimes there's a wait list for, for Java and students might go to .NET just because it's open or vice versa. But you always have the option of saying no or, hey, can I go to the next cohort? You know, we have a limited capacity and, and that's Based on our instructors' availability, but it's also based on what we think the market can handle, because we don't want to flood the market with more developers than than they're going to want to hire. Because that's bad for everybody.
1: So, you're based in Columbus, and so you're you're basically feeding uh, Ohio and the surrounding states. My um, my my office is okay. We have,
3: we have okay. five in-person
1: campuses and a
3: number of virtual oh, okay communities. Our headquarters is
0: actually cool. in
1: Cleveland. Oh, okay.
0: All right, cool. So, why would somebody choose a boot camp over just watching a bunch of Pluralsight videos?
3: Sure. I love Pluralsight. I've actually, uh,